um, we'll be talking about Christmas. So we left off last time in Acts chapter 16. We were talking about Lydia. Lydia was a seller of purple. And if you remember, the apostle Paul had seen a vision. And in that vision, there was a man that was uh, asking for help. He was from Macedonia. And so they felt direction from the Lord to go into Macedonia. And we see that they met Lydia there. She was a worshiper of God. But in this same chapter, now they're going out there. And you remember the story about that um, there was a, a maiden, right? She was a, a young lady. And she met them. And she was filled with the spirit of divination. And she started following them. And she started saying, these are, what, well, what did she say? She said, um, these men are the servants of the most high God, which was true, which show unto us the way of salvation. That's what she was saying. And she did this for many days, the Bible says. And so after a while, Paul was grieved and he cast out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this demon, right? He said, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that demon came out the same hour of that girl. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they got a hold of Paul and Silas. And they brought them before the magistrates. They accused them of troubling their city. And the magistrates, they stripped them down and beat them with many stripes and threw them into the inner prison with their feet fast in the stocks. And the stocks were, if you can imagine, um, wooden. And they had, like, you, there would be one top part, one bottom part, just enough for the legs and you know, they might have been in these stocks where they could not move their feet fast in the stocks. And um, so <clears throat> this is the condition they were in. They had fresh wounds from being beaten with many stripes. And maybe even their flesh was filleted open. Don't know. And their feet were held securely. They were in the innermost part of the prison, the Bible says the innermost part of the prison. Why would they be in the innermost part of the prison? Why? These guys must have had a reputation. Jesus Christ and his followers. Jesus, he was raised from a tomb that was securely guarded. And then earlier in Acts chapter 12, Peter, right, he was uh, we read in Acts chapter 12 where there was four quaternions of soldiers. A quaternion is four each. So there were 16 soldiers that were guarding Peter. And he was chained to two of them. One hand chained to the guard next to him, one to the other guard. And that's when that angel came and tapped him, woke him up, said, let's go. And they took off. Could you imagine if you were one of the guys that was chained to the apostle Paul? or Peter, in that case, it was Peter in chapter 12. You were chained to Peter and you woke up and he's gone. And Herod was so angry, he had them all put to death. So this is where we're at right now. 
We're starting here in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. This is kind of the scenario. Here's Paul, here's Silas. They'd just been beaten really good. Their feet were fast in the stocks. They just had wounds and it was a mess. And what did they do? What do you think they, they did, Joshua? What would you do if you had just been beaten really good and you were sore, maybe bloody, and your feet were just locked in securely, you couldn't move? What would you do? Would you think you'd complain? I think most of us would be like, God, what are you trying to do? We probably would complain. But this says in verse 25, at midnight, that's usually past your bedtime, right, Joshua? Midnight. What are you usually doing at midnight? Okay. <laughs> he had to think about it. That's what I try to be doing most of the time at midnight as well. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. So obviously uh, it wasn't just a quiet little whisper in a prayer because the prisoners heard them. I don't know how loud they were, but the prisoners did hear them. So we're going to talk about revelation. Uh, that's that first step, that Philippian jailer. Here in verse 25, here's revelation. They sang praises unto God. They sang praises unto God. And then we know that from verse 27 that the jailer's quarters was close to that cell, not too far away. And then we know from verse 31, it's, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So we see revelation in this chapter. Let's go through some of these verses. Let's look at verse 26. After they prayed and sang praises unto God, what happened? It says there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Not just the door where Paul and Silas were, but there was probably some guys that were in there that was supposed to be in there, real criminals, you know. But all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors opened, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. Now, what would you have done, Joshua, if you'd seen that? Here's the keeper of the prison. God, you've just been praising God. You've been praying and singing praises to God and all the doors were opened. And all of a sudden, the jailer wakes up. He sees all the doors open. He pulls out a sword to kill himself. What would you have done? I think a lot of people would have just kept quiet. <laughs> you, would, you would do it? Joshua would stop him. Okay. He's better than a lot of us. <laughs> no, I don't know. And so he would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Because that's a death penalty for him. If he, sleeping on the job, all the prisoners escaped. It's like, I might as well kill myself, just get the embarrassment over with, 
you know, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So, uh, but Paul cried with a loud voice, just like Joshua would have done. Verse 28, that's what Joshua said. Paul cried with a loud voice. He said, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Everyone was there. Imagine if you had been that, uh, that prison, um, that keeper of the prison, hearing that voice saying, we're all here. Don't kill yourself. Don't do any harm to yourself. Everyone's here. And so he could have kept quiet, but he didn't. And so how did he respond? He called for a light, verse 29, and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He called for a light, so it was dark, it's midnight. Well, it was midnight when they started singing and, you know, praising God. So I don't know how much later it was when the, the jailer woke up, I'm not sure. But he called for a light, he sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So there's revelation. We see the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ here in every example in the book of Acts. We, it comes back to knowing who he is, knowing who Jesus is. So we can see the revelation in verse 25 when they sang praises to God and they were heard. We can see the revelation in the fact that they were close to the jailer's quarters. They were close to the, he was close to the cell, to the cell and he could have heard them. He was, he was asleep, but even before he went to kill himself, they were able to stop him. And then we can see in verse 31, where he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So we can see revelation from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we see recognition here? Yes, we can see recognition. Paul and Silas, here's what opened the opportunity for there to be recognition, is they failed to flee. They could have fled, but they didn't. And this helped the jailer to recognize his need. He called for a light, he sprang in, he came trembling and he fell down before Paul and Silas. So here is an example of recognition and Paul and Silas staying there and not fleeing gave him that opportunity. And then we have um, responding. Can you see where he responded? He did in verse 30, very similar to what happened in Acts chapter 2. When on the day of Pentecost, um, in verse 36, he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to rest the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's what he did here. He said, What must I do? In verse 30, he said, Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And that's kind of what Paul did on the road to Damascus earlier when he, that 
light that shone from heaven around noontime. It was brighter than the noonday sun. And it was so blinding. And he heard that voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And, you know, Paul, trembling and astonished. I, I, this is what the jailer was doing too, trembling, coming in before them, falling down, trembling. And then he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They spake the word of the Lord. Hey, who? Well, Paul and Silas. They spake the word of the Lord to this jailer and to his entire house. So this man responded. And so we have the apostle or Paul and Silas who spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. So we can see responding here in this passage. Can we see repentance? Well, uh, what is repentance? It's that change of heart, right? Uh, repentance, let's look at Acts 16. And let's look at verse 30 and verse 33. It says, verse 30, brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 33, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He in all his straight way. So when we look at the example, and we look at the example in Acts chapter 2, the very first thing that Peter said in verse 38 was repent. And so, and be baptized. So there were some things, there were some signs that we can see in his behavior that showed repentance, right? He is now willing to identify with the cause that put them in jail and let them go. He brought them out. And now he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their stripes. So there's repentance. We can see that. What about remission? Well, we know what remission. Baptism. The name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. He took them the same hour of the night. Verse 33. Washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straight way. Wouldn't that be something? We win somebody to the Lord and he comes with his entire family and they're all baptized. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I, I don't know what was going through his family members' minds. I don't know how many were in his house. But he came home, something was different. And they all heard and they were all baptized. His whole house. And we know that baptism is essential. You're not going to be able to be saved without it. We know that in John chapter 3, verse 3, where Jesus says... You have to be born again. So he said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second tomb into his mother, second, second tomb, second time 
time, tomb, second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus clarified it even further there in verse 5. So remission of sins, that baptism, they were baptized. Now, we don't know that they received, that they received the Holy Ghost. We don't know that. But baptism, I talked about this last week, baptism is one. There's one baptism. There's one Lord. There's one faith, one baptism from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5. And we also read last week uh, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 2 of the doctrine, singular doctrine of baptisms, plural. One doctrine. One doctrine of baptisms. And so many times, I've seen this many times, when people were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they came up, and as they began to worship, they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many times it happens that way. Not always, but many times. So we don't know if they were filled with the Holy Ghost, but it wouldn't be surprising if uh, somebody said, yeah, they were just filled with the Holy Ghost right there. So then um, we see remaining. Did they remain in the church? Do you think that he remained in the church, he and his household? So far, they, there was a vision. A man from Macedonia said, we need help. They went. Now they've been to Lydia's household. Then they end up going to jail. Now they've been to the jailer's household, he and his entire house. Second, two, two households so far. Two households in Macedonia. And so... Acts 16.34 says, When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. That's what it's all about, right? You get to that place. You come together, have food together. He brought them into his house, put meat before him. He rejoiced, and he believed in God with his entire house, all of his house, this jailer. Um, we can see that Paul had spent time in Macedonia. It appears that the Philippian jailer and his household remained in the church. We see in Acts chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. We know of two households in Macedonia. So we know that, you know, there was probably a church that was being built. It seems like that was the, the beginning of that church. And it started with Lydia and this jailer and his household, Lydia's household and this jailer. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece. He had gone over those parts. So I don't really know how much this church in Macedonia had grown, but it started, we know, at least from these two households. Verse 6 of Acts 20, And we sailed away from Philippi uh, after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. So Philippi, specifically the Philippian jailer, we know that he was there in Philippi again in chapter 20. And then reproducing, they must have grown more than two households. So 
we have the book of Philippians. We can look at the book of Philippians because Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. That's what the book of Philippians is all about. And it's an excellent book. So we know there was a church there in Philippi. We know there was a church that had been established. And maybe this was the beginning of that church, starting there with Lydia's household and the jailer's household. So here's the jailer's responsibility. Number one, he was to keep the prison in strong shape. That was his responsibility. Number two is to keep the prison secure. Number three is to keep the prisoners captive. And number four was to suffer the penalty of death for failure. So that was his responsibility. So you can see why he would have wanted to to have killed himself. Um, He faces the death penalty if Paul and his brothers leave the prison. But he became willing to identify with their cause. They stayed there and they said, do yourself no harm because we are all here. Can you guys see the example from the Philippian jailer? Now let's go to Acts chapter 18. And this is the church of Corinth, the Corinthian church. And let's look at uh, that first thing, revelation. Revelation is that first step. When we go anywhere to establish or start a church, we want people to know who Jesus is. That's where it begins. That's where it starts. Uh, Jesse is going to be going to Moldova. He gets to be involved on the groundbreaking work of these missionaries. They have one convert there. And they got more people, more aimers coming to help than they have in their church. (laughs) So they're going to be a big group of aimers. And um, so if I'm going to a a country to the Lord is directing me to build and start a church, I want people to know who Jesus is. And did the apostle Paul do that in Corinth? So Acts 18 verse 4, it says, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. What did he persuade them of? What was he trying to get the Jews and the Greeks to put their confidence in? That's what it means to persuade, to to really get somebody to put confidence in something. What was he trying to get them to put their confidence in? The gospel. That's right. And what is that gospel? That's part of it. That's part of it, death, burial, and resurrection. And it even starts before his death. It even starts before his death. If you read Mark chapter 1, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then it starts with John the Baptist, right? This, here's this forerunner who went before, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So the beginning of the gospel actually starts before the death. But it, the death, burial, and resurrection is part of it. And we do death, we identify with his death at repentance. And then the burial with baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. 
And then the resurrection is the new life, receiving the Holy Ghost. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection, Acts 2.38. But the gospel actually goes even before that. So I was talking to Fernando about this last week. We're talking about um, what John the Baptist did. So Acts 18.4 and verse 5, it says, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So he testified to the Jews. We see what he testified, that Jesus was Christ. Now in Acts 18, verse 7, two verses down, he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. So who did Justice worship? Who did he worship? There you go. So he worshiped God, it says. And who do we know is God? That's Jesus. That's right. And so this is what I was trying to explain last week. I might not have been super clear on it, that you have to pay attention who the narrator of the scripture is, right? The narrator of scripture is God. And when you're just reading the narrator speaking, and when the narrator speaks of God, we know who that is. If somebody else speaks of God, they may be referring to somebody completely different. We know that he knows of no other God. Thou believest in another God. I, I don't even know of any other God. There's only one, right? One God. So the narrator of scripture only knows of one God, and we know who that one God is, right? Bubs, what is the name of the one God? Oh, man. He said it right. All right. He did good. He said it real quietly. Is he, uh, Caleb, is he normally quiet like that at home? Oh, he is? Okay. He normally is. Okay. All right. You're good. You're good, bubs. He said you're normally quiet. So, um, Acts 18, 13 says, saying, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. To worship who? God, Right. And so they were talking about how he was trying to persuade people to worship God contrary to the law. They were wrong about that. They, Paul wasn't, they weren't trying to convince anybody to worship God contrary to the law. It's just these people didn't understand who Jesus really was. So from their perspective, it would have been contrary to the law, but they weren't doing that. This is what they were saying is false. So... It is because they did not have the revelation of Jesus Christ. If they had known who he was, they would not say he was trying to persuade men to worship God contrary to the law. So here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. What kind of thing was he trying to preach to the Corinthians? Do you guys know? What was he trying to preach, persuade them of? That's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 2. It says, for I determined, this is to the church at Corinth, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said. Here's Paul who had his uh, you know, education. He was very well educated. I don't know if we can compare that to uh, individuals today who have like a PhD 
and they have all this knowledge and they go somewhere and they, you know, they could teach just about anything that you can think of from scripture, theology, soteriology, all these hermeneutics, you know, all those different things, right? Eschatology. But no, he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. So you don't, your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. There are some men out there who are very knowledgeable. They know a lot of stuff. And the, Paul, the apostle Paul is saying, I, I don't want your faith and your confidence to be in my wisdom, right? Not, in the, uh, not stand in the wisdom amendment, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, hidden wisdom, which was ordained before the world for our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. None of them knew it. If they had known it, they would not have crucified Jesus, the Lord of glory. Did you know Jesus is the Lord of glory? Had they known it, they would not have. And so we have revelation here to the church at Corinth. That was Paul's main focus. And we can see revelation to the church at Corinth back at Acts chapter 18. Uh, do we see recognition? Well, let's look at verse 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Many of them hearing, many of them hearing, there's that word hearing. Maybe not everyone heard, but many of them did. You can get yourself in a place where somebody's talking and you're just not listening. Um, you just like, you could be looking straight at them even. They could be talking to you. Have you ever done that? Talk to someone, you know, they're not hearing anything you're saying. I think it's more adults. Children are easy to tell when they can, they're playing with a toy or adults will look straight at you. <laughs> I get this view all, all the time, right? Um, you could look out there and you could see the adults look like they're looking, but they're in their mind somewhere else. <laughs> So anyways, I, 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 we all have ADD a little bit, I guess. Um, it's just sometimes it's harder to tell with the adults. For me, I can tell with the children a lot easier when they're not paying attention. Adults sometimes, well, sometimes when they fall asleep and they have their head back and they're snoring, it's easy to tell. <laughs> or So, but many of the Corinthians hearing believed. So 
they had some recognition. To get to that place of believing, they were hearing and they came into recognition to even get to that place. So, um, and so we can see that through recognition, through them hearing, then we could see them responding, right? We see in that same verse, they believed. What does it mean to believe? Well, believe is not just a mental assent. Do you believe in the Easter bunny? Yeah, I believe. Right. <laughs> you do? <clears throat> we have a bunny at our house, so I believe in that, that that bunny exists when it's... <laughs> but I don't think there's a bunny that hops around putting little eggs and, you know. Anyways, I do believe in Jesus Christ, but the biblical definition of believing is different. We see that from James chapter 2, and this is a reminder, but this is always a good reminder. James chapter 2, verse 21. Here in these three verses, we see the biblical definition of believing. Anyone remember the biblical definition of believing? It's here in these three verses. Sister Catherine. Faith plus works. There it is. So let's see it right here. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God. So how was the scripture fulfilled that Abraham believed God? It was faith wrought with his works. Faith plus works. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So if somebody says, uh, you don't need any works to be saved. You can live any way that you want. But we just read in verse 22 that your faith is not made perfect or come to completion without works, right? We're to add to our faith. And we, in the eight steps from death to life, it starts with faith, right? Beside this giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. So your faith will not be made perfect or come to completion without works. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith. Okay. I was listening to something today, Jesse, on um, Biblos, in fact. Um, he was talking about that very thing. Uh, he was saying how that people say, oh, it's by works. Well, yeah, not works of the law, he was saying. I thought that was interesting. Did you just listen to that? Okay, I was listening to that today. So then we see, do we see repentance here? Well, uh, that word believed, right? Crispus, the chief in verse 8, eight Acts 18, 8. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. We can also see remission here in Acts 18, verse 8, where it says they were baptized. We are baptized for the remission of sins. That's why we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And receiving, we can apply that same principle of baptisms, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? 
the doctrine singular of baptism plural. So we can, uh, we know that the Corinthian church spoke in, they spoke in tongues. We know it for a fact. If you read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, it was an issue. In fact, they were speaking in tongues. Probably things got a little unruly, to be honest with you. And Paul said, hey, here's the deal. You know, let all things be done decently in order. He said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than all of you. But if I'm speaking in a language that you don't understand to you, uh, when you walked away, are you going to walk away edified? Right? So he's, he's not saying don't speak with tongues. He said, I, I speak more than you all. So the Corinthians believed in speaking in tongues, believe me. Um, but there had to be some order. There had to be some decency. And then... Uh, remaining, did they remain in the church? Well, yeah. So we see in Acts 18, verse 10, look at this. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. That's what God said. I have a lot of people in this city of Corinth. And he continued there a year and six months, 18 months. Teaching the word of God among them. So Paul was there for 18 months teaching the word of God. You know, he just wasn't there just for a short time. Got the church established. I'm going. He stayed there because there was a, God said, I have much people in this city. A lot of Corinthians heard him. A lot of them hearing believed, right? He stayed there. He preached. He taught for 18 months. And then we read in verse 18, after this, it says, Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, and then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centria, for he had a vow. So Paul tarried there yet a good while. So he was there. He remained. There was a church that was being built. There was a church that was being established. A lot of Corinthians came to the Lord under Paul's ministry there. Do we see reproduction? Well, I think so. In the couple of verses we already read, verse 8, Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believes that many of the Corinthians hearing believed, many of them. I think we see reproduction there. I think we see it in verse 10, where God says, I have much people in this city. We can also look throughout the book of First and Second Corinthians. I just put a couple verses down. I didn't go through. There's other examples. I was look at, kind of looked in there and I think I could have gleaned through the book of Corinthians, but I'm just going to read a couple examples uh, there in second Corinthians chapter one. I'm going to start at verse three, where it says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is to the church at Corinth, the second letter, or possibly the third, they say, some scholars believe there was another letter that we don't know about, or it's lost somewhere. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. God comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. So we get comforted in our tribulation. So that we can comfort those who are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Have you ever been through a trial? You've been through something difficult and then God brought you comfort, the comfort that you needed. 
that peace that passed understanding during that time. And then when you see somebody else, whether they're on the outside, whether they're on the inside, you were able to turn and give them the comfort wherewith you yourself were comforted. So that's what I think is powerful because we in the church, we can still do that to that individual on the outside. We don't know who's going to be an heir of salvation that hasn't been saved yet. We don't know who that's going to be. It could be anybody. And so we have to keep that in mind. And skipping down to verse 6, it says, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So Paul's saying, if we're afflicted, it's for your consolation. And it's for your salvation. Have you ever thought about that? Your affliction... I wonder if it would be for somebody else's consolation and salvation. I mean, look how what we read in Acts 16, how they responded to being beaten with many stripes and their feet held securely in the stocks. And at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners around them in their affliction, like, them, I mean, that's not normal. You just been beat up pretty good. And then you're thanking God and praising God. Like what is up with these individuals and all the other people still stayed there. I mean, how did that happen? Because, uh, Paul said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. So all the other ones, the prisoners, all the other ones, they heard them praying and singing. And they, they, could you imagine that? Michael, imagine what does it mean to be in the innermost part of the prison? What does that mean to you? How hard would it be to get out of that? Impossible. It should be. So can you describe what, what, how many doors you'd have to try to get to, get through? How hard would it be? <laughs> Could you imagine that if you woke, you just were praising God at midnight and every single door was open and everyone could just walk out? Would it, would it, would everyone have stayed? I don't think anyone would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they were all there. And so whether we be afflicted, verse 6, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So there, that's just a couple examples. I, I found some other ones uh, just kind of scrolling through the book of Corinthians um, how that this possibility of reproduction, this possibility of reaching the world 
through the book, book of Corinthians. I see reproduction. We see it there in the book of Acts. We see it through their growth and how the church in Corinth really expanded. And Paul was there for 18 months minimum. And uh, even that verse that we read after that said he continued there for a while. And so do we see reproduction? Yeah, I think we see all of that. In the establishment, we see the eight steps in the establishment of the church at Corinth all the way there to maturity and reproduction. Amen. So that's it. That gets us through going through Acts chapter 18. Praise the Lord. Good timing, right? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to have my brother-in-law. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second here. Wait a second here, brothers and sisters. Okay, all right. I'm going to have my brother-in-law pray in closing. He's going to be speaking for us, not next Wednesday, but two Wednesdays from now, 14 days. You guys are going to want to be prepared. Sister B? Freya. Holly's daughter. Okay. The youngest one, Freya. Let's pray for Freya. She has RSV and pneumonia. And Ashley McAtee. Is that it? Anybody else? Yes. Crispy? Crispy Martinez and Chris my and my sister Christy Thorson. She's they there's been a sickness that's been going around, so you had it. Some people have been getting it. So let's just pray for these individuals. Lord Jesus, we bring each and every uh, individual before you tonight, God. For Freya, Lord, Sister B's granddaughter, Lord, I just ask God, if it be according to your will, that you would touch her body, Lord, and bring her healing and comfort, Lord, tonight. Also for Ashley McAtee, God, I pray that you would... Uh, if it be according to your will, uh, bring more healing and uh, miraculous healing uh, to her body, God, if it be according to your will, God, and, and the McAtee family and bring in the comfort that they need at this time. And then, God, I ask for the Christies. Lord, I pray for Christy Martinez, God, who's not feeling well tonight, and for Christy Thorson, Lord. Pray that they, God, would recover quickly so they could be at our Christmas dinner. And uh, we just bring each and every need before you tonight. We thank you so much, God, for the opportunities that we've had to gather together to worship you and to learn more about you and your ways. We give you all the thanks and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.